That's right, we're using that song again. We're taking that song back from the Karate Kid, and it's ours now. <laughs> You're the best around. The great Joe Esposito. Welcome. <laughs> this is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from madwolf.com with special guest today, Bridget from the Columbus Horror Society. Welcome Yay! back. Hello. Thank you. Do we have a new title? Happy holidays. And the same to you. Thank you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Do we have a new title for uh, The senior Bridget? correspondent I'm title? I'm old now. I'm 38. Because, oh, probably oh, need yeah. a new oh, yeah. title. Is that Elderly. Old? Okay, then. The new title, Senior Columbus Correspondent. That'll work. <laughs> Before we get going, I want to alert everybody that I think I may have swallowed a bit of a plastic fork about an hour ago. <laughs> Is that a good sign? So who knows what could happen? Things could, things could get Hope. nutty. I think. I mean, I've seen Hope angry, but <laughs> it wasn't me. No, no, I was, I was, you know, just eating my healthy choice, and then I felt something <laughs> hard, and that's not right, and I swallowed it anyway, and then I looked down. <laughs> And some of my plastic fork was missing. You so. know, we haven't even say, gotten into the movies, and there's a lot and of swallowing. I swallowed it anyway. That's what it's going to say on his tombstone. That's a tagline for a horror movie, isn't it? <laughs> and I swallowed it anyway. Well, welcome. The sequel to Don't Breathe. As we, uh, as we are uh, getting toward the end of the year, it's the time for lists, as always. And we've got ours, the top 10 horror movies of 2016. And Bridget's going to help us count them down. And uh, I think our list has a lot of overlap, but some not. So uh, we'll get to that. That's fun because we'll yeah, talk about some. She has a couple on there that I'm sure she probably saw at the Nightmares Film Festival at Gateway Film Center. So super, super indie yeah, flicks. And that'll that be we cool. we haven't seen, which so is So it'll be good. fun to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so we'll get to that. And um, well, first of all, what do we think of 2016 overall as Oof. a year in horror movies? Oh, for horror movies. I mean, there's a lot to complain about in 2016. Yes, there is. We're like there is. dragging to the finish line, but I, I don't think we can complain about movies. No, I'm with you. I think it was a really great year for horror. Because 2015 was pretty darn good. It was. Yeah, mm. exactly. It was. Yeah, but 2016 has some solid stuff in it, both mm -hmm. uh, indie and really major studio yeah, release as yeah. well. So that's good. And we'll get to some of those, all of those. And we've got a top 10 list, so it's more than we usually do. So we should get right to it. Yes. Uh, and this is our top 10, and then we get closer to our top. We'll talk about uh, Bridget's and how we differ a little bit. So at number 10 on our list is Demon. I thought that this movie was so beautiful. And it, and it's it's interesting because it's, it's kind of shot. It's not black and white, but it's got the sepia tone feel about it, which was really, I thought, very effective because it kind of parallels time and place and it tells this haunting story of the past and it really talks a lot about without being too overt i think it talks a lot about culture and isolationism and and it's spooky as well it's a ghost story a man goes to his fiance's kind of homeland to get married and he's overtaken by a dibuk a demon of the ghost of somebody who had died there and it's really it's beautiful and sad, and a quiet film you have to pay attention to, but I loved it. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of a movie from a couple of years ago called Borgman. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, that, yeah. Yeah, that is based on folklore, cultural yep. Fol yep. folklore. But this one, more than that one, this really has different themes going on, cultural amnesia mm -hmm. and things that are passed down from generation to generation. And maybe for some of it, People might, some people might not think of it as a true horror movie, but it gets, as you said, it gets very spooky and mm -hmm. creepy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen so many people drunk at a wedding? Like, really drunk? Yes. Yeah, they were pretty drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every Madden wedding, actually. That surprised me the most about it. But, I mean, that, that performance, the gentleman, I think his name's Tate Tiran, who played oh, Peter. He was so I mean, great. it reminded me of the performance by Isabel in Possession. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, I thought he was 
phenomenal. Yeah, he was. And uh, it's just worth mentioning that director, writer-director Marcin Rona killed himself at, yeah. a, at a film festival where the movie was screening. That is such a, a you, sad and, and weird story. It's really sad. And also, I mean, it is such an incredibly confident film that's just, you know, and, wow. and, and early in his career. So it's very sad just to think of everything we might have gotten from him. Well, and you wonder if he was maybe working through some of his own, mm-hmm. no pun intended, demons sure. in mm-hmm. this movie. You would think so. Anyone that troubled who's an artist is going to have some of his troubles come out in the art. So It you, did feel like a very personal film. It really did. It really did. And it's spooky and one that uh, hopefully you can catch um, if it hasn't come to your area. And that is the 10th best horror film of the year on our list, and that's called Demon. And at number nine, I know the one that uh, we all love for different reasons, and it's called The Love Witch. I would do anything for love. Anna Biller, everybody. Holy shit. (laughs) Wow. Yummy. So she wrote it, directed it. She did the set design. Uh, She did the music. She edited it. I mean, this movie is 100% Anna Biller. And uh, she made a movie a couple years ago called Viva, which has the same sort of swinging 60s sort of a theme about (laughs) it. And and, but uh, she really nails it in this movie. Um, and she's incredibly aided by Samantha Robinson, who plays the lead. She plays Elaine, psycho. So Elaine is the love witch, and she's got some smart eye shades, and uh, she's got a red convertible, and she's going to a she's coastal got town. Sex magic. She's got sex magic. She does. She's got something. Mm-hmm. She's got a tampon in a glass jar. <laughs> she who does. <laughs> It's such an incredibly weird story, and it's funny because it takes a long time for a couple of things to settle in. One is that it's actually a feminist film. It takes a while before that makes its mark. And then two, that it is not set in the 60s. Right. Which Which I I love. I I did too. I loved where all of a sudden there's a cell phone and you're like, wait, wait, what? DNA evidence? (laughs) You shouldn't have to worry about DNA evidence. If she was going to worry about that, she should have kept that tampon to herself, shouldn't she? (laughs) So she's insane and she's uh, looking for love. She, you know, and her dead ex-husband is somewhere in her past and there's there are black masses, as you know, George, I'm a sucker for any black mass. Any movie with a black mass, I'm all in. You're in. Um, And then the other thing that I really think in the end I love about it is that while her character is is pathologically feminine, she's actually the male lead in this movie. She's interested in sexual conquest. And as soon as she's made the conquest, as soon as that person is over the moon for her, she has no more interest in in him. So it's an interesting, incredibly feminine version of uh, sort of the the opposite story that you're, you're used to seeing. Yeah, well, I guess I spoke out of turn here because, Bridget, you don't, you don't really care for this movie. You know, I need to give it a second try. Uh, the little one's been sick, so I was definitely tired, but I, I just... Well, let him watch Well, and it I forgot about the tampons. Maybe I, I did like it a little bit <laughs> more than I thought. Forgot about the tampons. <laughs> it, was a, it was a long week, but uh, I, I don't know. It was just, you know, I'd seen some of the um, stills from the movie, and I was super excited it was a date night situation and when the first sex scene came up i've never seen so much beauty on the screen that i was so bored with sure hmm. so and and i like a slow burn more than anyone i mean the slower the burn the, i mean i i tend to like it even more so i i need to give it a second try i did i admittedly did not finish it the mood was getting a, a little too dull so uh took things uh to to a different turn but no i i need to give it a second try well, I, I agree with you, Hope, because I love any any movie that can take that 
old time vibe and put it in a current uh, setting and make it work. I love that. Oh yeah, that sixties nostalgia. They nailed. Oh, it. they I did. It. And the, I mean, it's such an orgy of colors oh. and and then all of these dessert treats all over the place. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like is it me or the movie? Right, at times. Exactly. Yeah. But it is interesting that you say that because um, for you know a sexy sixties movie, the sex itself is incredibly. It's Flat. witchcraft sex. How can it be boring? Yeah, it's very boring. I think it's intentional, though. I mean, yeah. I'm yeah. sure I'm that she it did it too. on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yep. and of course, and also all of the the love interests, they look like Sears and Robux, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, mannequins from the 70s. I with, mean, they're just they're with their sands about and they're and they're perfect actually oh, for yeah, a film for this particular film that that kind of homages this this particular time period. But I loved it. Yeah. So two thumbs up and one eh. For uh, The Love Witch, that is number nine on our list. And at number eight, one that I know, there was some argument back and forth, I think, in some camps of whether this was a horror movie or not. But we say yes, and that is 10 Cloverfield Lane. What are you going to do to me? I'm going to keep you alive. I have to give senior filmmaking correspondent Jason Tostevin credit. So he was our co-host of the six-month break Mm -hmm. the best films the best horror films of the six month break and 10 cloverfield lane was on his list and not on ours because i hadn't thought of it as a horror film to be honest with you i really hadn't i thought of it as a sci-fi movie and and you know he convinced me otherwise that it's you know 90 percent of the movie is not really sci-fi at all you've got these three people trapped in a basement and then there's the vat of acid and anyway he turned my he turned my thinking around which is not super easy to do so <laughs> uh, given that it was in the mix it did have to make the top 10 i like 10 cloverfield lane i mean john goodman as the bad guy oh, it, it doesn't it doesn't get so, better than he's that so great he's so great That's, i love the whole thing because it sets up to be one movie and you're afraid of one kind of monster outside and then suddenly you realize there's another monster that's not outside and i, I love how that twists and becomes a very that's that's some classic horror movie tropes right there. You know, she's trapped inside under this bunker with this quote-unquote monster. And then, yeah, it's it's a stretch to put it in the, quote, Cloverfield universe, but they do. They do. It works, I think. But I think the whole thing works so well. It's so well put together and very well acted, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, some people complain about that ending and whether or not it fits into the overall story. But, I mean, my understanding is that this was a script just sitting out there and J.J. Abrams uh, picked it up and worked it into that Cloverfield Mm -hmm. universe. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, you know, this was able to get on the big screen is, is amazing. Well, and I think he's shown that his instincts are usually pretty solid. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. I think so, yeah. <laughs> if he's interested in, in your project. But it's just... You well, should say yes. You should, yeah. <laughs> it's just well put together in all aspects. Uh, it's well written, well directed, and very well acted. And yeah, definitely has those horrific uh, horrific aspects. And, that's, and honestly, actually... This scene, the moment where John Goodman shows up all oh, clean shaven, that's, that is oh. one of the single creepiest scenes in yeah. any movie I've seen this year. Yeah. Because, Johnny's come a courting. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Because so much is said without anything being said. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that he's all clean and shiny and uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm with you. It's not good. No. It's not good. I, I agree with you there. That's a great, that's a great part of it. And that's number eight, ten. Cloverfield Lane uh, on our list. Moving up to number seven, one we just saw a couple of months ago and we loved. Even though this is one, it's long. You got to stay long. with it, but it gets the payoff, and that's the wailing. Come on! 
I have a tremendous weakness for Korean horror movies. I think that uh, they, they're so good. They, they so really have a, so a yeah a high statistical rate of great horror movies, and I love At this least one. The ones we see, maybe there's a bunch of crap that, that we doesn't seen. that don't make it all the way over yeah. here. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I love this movie for so many reasons, and often for me, when I watch a foreign horror film that works some comedy into it, and I think it's cultural. A lot of times that just falls flat for me, but not in this one. I thought it was going to, yeah. and it didn't. And part of it, I think, was the um, performance of Doe Wan Quack, who plays... It's a great name. It is a great name. <laughs> who plays the lead, kind of a bumbling police officer. Definitely who a Perfect for the part. He's he was great. great. He's so great. And then what happens, there's uh, uh, all of these families in town. Someone seems to go crazy and then kill everybody, and they can't figure it all out. But a lot of people are pointing the finger toward this... Japanese man who kind of lives on the outskirts of town on his own. And it takes, it's a slow build, takes a long time to get words going. And one of the things I think they do beautifully is you're never really sure who you're supposed to believe. And that's very important. And that's why he, his being so good at being a bumbler works because he doesn't pick up on cues and things of who's telling the truth and who's not. And we don't either. But part of it is, so we tend to assume he's wrong. Because he's bumbling, right. and therefore the director has this sleight of hand, where then we're believing it's going in a different direction. And and I just think that the that the way that they that they do that um, is masterful in this film. So that so when there's a resolution at the end, you think, well, of course, but you definitely didn't expect it to come. Right. I'm still waiting on my PowerPoint presentation to explain exactly <laughs> what happened. In I the did end. promise that, didn't I? <laughs> but no, I, I I also love this movie. I. I thought it was shot beautifully. I thought um, the characters were phenomenal and who they selected to play, as you guys yeah. discussed, each of the roles um, was fantastic, too. Um, yeah, the, it has been an amazing year for Korean films. I mean, between this and what Train to Abuse on and yeah. several others, mm-hmm. I mean, handmade good as you year out. for Korean horror. Yeah, I didn't love Train to Abuse on as much as other people. But I, I did, liked I it. Yeah, like it. I, did I, did I did, too. I did. I, I liked it a lot at the end. No. <laughs> That was actually the it's a, it's a really powerful scene at the oh, end. Train to Busan, yeah, it is. It is. But one of the other things, the many things I liked about this movie, The Wailing, when he does finally confront the Japanese man mm-hmm. and everybody, I love that scene. Yeah. And oh the, yeah. And the guy that plays the Japanese man is great. Yeah. Um, and, and that dog. Oh yeah. The There's dog. just <laughs> always you know this bar. And you're like, is, is anybody, did you just, like you're just so jumpy about it. Somebody's <laughs> going to do something about that dog, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, so he's going to do something about you. It throws some surprises your way, and we certainly don't want to give them away. So look that one up if you can. The Wailing uh, from Korea is number seven on our list, our best of the year. And moving up to number six, oh, man, you talk. I think, I think Bridget, you might have just seen this <laughs> I'm today. I'm three-fourths of the way through. Oh, okay. Oh. And it is. Have you met Jody yet? And it is. You know, I'm, I'm honestly, I've seen so much dong. I'm good. <laughs> like, after you didn't prepare me. You didn't prepare me. And with that, we got to be talking about <laughs> the Greasy Strangler. Bullshit artist. Bullshit artist. I call bullshit on that. Bullshit artist. I am the Greasy Strangler. Yeah, a lot of dong in the Greasy Strangler. <laughs> also, a lot of quotable quotes. And Yes. Uh, because Bridget today put up on Facebook earlier this morning that she was watching it, and one of the first comments was, does this mean you're going to be calling everyone a bullshit artist? <laughs> and I said, yes, yes, it does mean that, because how can you not? This movie is so nuts. Oh, my. But it's one that you'll, you'll Big ne- Ronnie. never forget. Big Ronnie. 
Yeah, well, Michael St. Michael's. How great is that name? It's a great name. The Phenomenal. actor's name is Michael St. Michael's. Well, Big Ronnie was just our number one on our weirdo he list. He was right? our number oh, really? one on our weirdo list, yeah. yes. Yeah, and if you don't know why, you've got to check out The Greasy Strangler. Um, it's it's so weird. It's funny, and it's also, I mean, there's... It's gross. It's gross, and there's murder, <clears throat> oh. and there's grease, and there's dong. There's and, a, there's uh, a, a lot of fact, dong. There's just a lot of nudity. There's there a great deal of the kind of nudity <laughs> that you just don't want to see. And, you know, here's uh, uh, I, we had a, a Twitter conversation back and forth, and Derek pointed out, with this was just the best description of it. It's like if Napoleon Dynamite directed by John Waters, which is exactly what oh, this yeah. movie yeah. is. It so is. So you've got Big Ronnie and his son Brayden, and they are in L.A., and they do disco tours. To places where they say disco artists used to live, like the earth, the wind, and the fire. But don't ask for free drinks. <laughs> no. No, not even water. No. no. See, we're going to spend the next... <laughs> we can spend the rest of this Bullshit podcast artist. just saying things like, potato. <laughs> and we'll laugh because we've seen the Greasy Strangler and the rest of the people listening will go, stop it. So, at any rate, there's a Greasy Strangler out there, and then there's a mystery about who is the Greasy Strangler. And then, and then Braden and Janet hook up, and then Janet hooks up with Big Ronnie, and it gets crazy and jealousy. And they have to bring in Detective Jody. Detective Jody, who is a completely <laughs> different person from Big Ronnie. Oh my God, I love this movie. Oh my God, I love this movie so much. Oh. I'm getting there. I can't okay. even tell you. Love it so much, and the Greasy Strangler. Well, if you haven't finished it, then we'll leave it at that. We but will you'll enjoy Jody, the detective. Greasy Strangler. <laughs> At number six on our list. And moving into, ooh, we're in the top five. That's serious business. And one that, boy, it's nice when you get one that not only hits critically, but hits commercially. commercially. And this one did. It's called Don't Breathe. How many of you are there? <laughs> Man, I just let me go, please. Okay, I swear to God. Oh, we're now you're going to see what I see. I was pleasantly surprised by Don't Breathe. It's about a group of teenagers that are going from house to house, uh, making a ton of scores. One of the teenagers' fathers works for a security company. And boy, do they do they pick the wrong house <laughs> to try and make a score at. They, they pick the house of a blind veteran and immediately realize they have picked on the wrong individual. Yeah. Well, and they don't know exactly. I mean, they know he's a badass. They find that out pretty quickly, but they don't know what else is going on inside that house, and neither do we. And if you don't know how, how big a badass, he's Stephen Lang, which I'm sure you probably you would recognize him from from a Avatar, lot Avatar, a lot for movies, example. Yeah. Avatar, oh yeah. He was the main military guy in Avatar, and uh, he's has a long list of uh, long list of credits, and he's jacked. He and, is jacked. Looking. Yeah, and he is, and he's ready to uh, defend his his house, and especially what's in the basement. But um, this works. You know, it's a premise that has been done. If you want to go all the way back to Wait Until Dark, the one with Audrey Hepburn, mm-hmm. and then that one was a lot less intense. But it's still, it's, a, it's the basic premise of you're breaking in. You think you can take advantage of a blind person. Uh, and then it ups the ante. And I think, as you've said before, and you're talking about this movie, you like how it, right away, it kind of throws some, some curveballs at the cliches of the characters, especially the punks that break in. Yeah, I think that Fede Alvarez, who directed the remake of uh, Evil Dead, Evil which Dead. we loved. Loved it. And um, I think one of the things that he does really successfully throughout this is just there's moral ambiguity about every single character, every single, and not that there are that many characters, but every single character in the film. The, the teenage thugs are 
are more nuanced than you expect, especially sort of the alpha teenage the thug, guy. the lead yeah. guy. Uh, he turns out to have obviously some bad intentions, but there's there's goodness, decency about him as well. And of course, you know, everybody in the house. Also, there's it's just I think that that that's one of the ways that he keeps you off kilter because your expectations are constantly being dashed. You know, this movie contained one of my all-time favorite scenes of the year um, involving a turkey baster, mm-hmm, out of all mm-hmm. things. I, I was curious. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was pretty sure <laughs> I knew the scene. talk about the turkey basters. <laughs> Hope and I actually saw this at the same uh, preview screening, and it was funny because when that scene came about, you know, we were in a theater with more than just diehard horror fans because it was a preview screening. And when that particular scene with the turkey baster occurred, there was a lot of oh hell no yeah, a lot was of going it. on a lot of it <laughs> it was uh, it was amazing no one saw it coming and it was oh, well I mean <laughs> anyways did I already say no pun intended <laughs> but uh, yeah that gets shocking and weird at, in the basement there but it's also very well paced oh yeah very oh, almost sus- like the green room suspenseful mm-hmm. and 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 well shot and surprising and yeah. yeah it just out of the gate and it just go 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 and and more than anything i think it's fun oh yeah well i think also uh enough can't be said for the sound editing yeah you know mm-hmm. i mean because because you know that's the whole thing is they're trying so hard not to make any sound because that's what will alert him yeah. to their presence and so uh it's important that the film ramp up that kind of tension and, and fetty alvarez really nails it yeah really well done don't breathe number five on our list best of the year and number four one that probably not a lot of people have seen i don't know hopefully they will and it is called under the shadow A couple of years ago, Australia gave us one of the greatest horror movies of the modern age in The Babadook. There's no way to watch Under the Shadow and not think about The right, Babadook. Right. There are so many similarities to the two. It's a, it's a single mother, although for different, different circumstances. She's having some conflict with her only child. Again, different circumstances. And there's sort of these this spectral presence that is threatening to, to take her child from her. But the thing that sets... And that the child insists is real. Right. But the mom says is not. And then, and then again, is eventually not sure. That's right. If she believes that or doesn't believe That's that. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I think The Babadook is is definitely more of a very specific horror film, and to, to, to me, a little bit more of successful as a film, what makes Under the Shadow so incredibly fascinating is that it's set... In Tehran in the 80s during the Iran-Iraq war, she's alone because her husband is serving his military duty as a as a doctor, which is mandatory, mandatory. He had no choice. And the sort of the the new cultural revolution has made it very difficult for her to survive as a bit of a left leaning person. There's one particular scene that is so powerful. She finally just flees her building. It's there are there's a, a bomb. There's in a an, panic. She's in it, a panic. She's in a panic because she thinks she has seen a man in her house, and she flees the building, which would be the only rational thing to do. And she's arrested because you can see her face and hair. It, it's such a powerful scene, and it really speaks to the tremendous tension that writer-director Babak Anvari can captures with this entire film. I mean, it's beautifully done. It's gorgeously filmed. There are um, X's everywhere, which just makes you think of Scorsese. And, you you know, you put tape on your windows uh, in this X form to keep them from shattering when bombs are falling, and that's the reason for it. But it it, it just creates this additional sense of menace.
I remember there were some incredible jump scares. And, you know, to, to pull on the thread, you know, about kind of that war-torn um, Tyron, I mean, it was amazing how they could um, depict how scary things were outside of the apartment as they were inside of the apartment. Mm-hmm. I mean, she almost had to pick and choose at times. Like, where do I want to be? Because yeah. both situations were equally scary at any point in time. Yeah, it's got some really creepy visual sequences. And I love how, as you alluded to, how it speaks to cultural change and what she is up against compared to what the child says that the child is up against. Because, and, and, I, and I, it's, it's clearly intentional that, oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. one of the spectral figures that is trying to take her daughter from her is in the form of a flapping burqa. Because mm-hmm. there's so much at stake here in not just her losing her daughter to this this ghosty thing, but also just culturally speaking, what is what is her daughter's future? Right. How is she going to grow? Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's so it's so well done and creepy enough. You're always going to get some people that, oh, not enough happens, sure. you know, it's not, but no, I think it very, very much so qualifies as, as a horror movie. And one, you know, that's a, a thinker, mm-hmm. a, a think piece, if you, if you will, of a horror movie, but yeah, it's a good one. And that's Under the Shadow, number four on our list. And uh, moving up to number three, Bridget mentioned it a couple minutes ago, talking about something else, another movie, and uh, well, we talked about Don't Breathe, and you mentioned this, right? And it's Green mm-hmm. Room. Careful now. This will be over soon, gentlemen. So this is one that nobody nobody is going to question. Is this a horror movie or not? No. <laughs> you know, there's a uh, no, no, no. More, more dogs. There are more dogs. There's a there's a great deal of blood. There's a, a, of blood. a, a there's a lot of blood. There's a head well, that just. Poof. And as as Patrick Stewart says, and, and so well delivered that line, it won't end well. <laughs> this is the third feature from Jeremy Sunier, who oh, we've loved everything he's yeah. done. And um, this is my favorite of the three, of course. This is the the one true horror film he's made, and that's, of course, my favorite genre. So he did it's, Blue Ruin, he right, did right Blue before Ruin. this, which was great. But, um, and Murder Party before Murder that, Party. which was funny and, and interesting. And what it does, especially Blue Ruin, well, Murder Party, too, it places, quote-unquote, regular people in extreme situations. Right. And that's what this young rock band, the Ain't Rights, uh, find, they <laughs> find themselves uh, in this underground club run by these neo-Nazis, and the leader is Patrick Stewart. And they see something they shouldn't have seen, and now, uh-oh, it's probably going to be better just to get rid of them. The, the tension in this movie, the claustrophobia, the, the feeling of being trapped, is there are very few films that have um, created it as effectively as this. Oh. But for me, uh, Imogene Poots... That performance is so amazing, so hilarious. She gets caught in it. She's not in the band. She's like a fan, but she is in the room when they witness what they witness. And so she's along for the ride as well. And you're right. That character is great. She's great. And it's so well written. And the best haircut of 2016. Right? <laughs> yes. Not a lot of people could have pulled that She's off. She's not hard on the eyes. <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the green room, I mean, one of the things that was incredibly scary about that was, you know, I have a, a lot of friends in bands and the feedback from friends indicating that this could have happened to anyone when they were younger. I mean, it's a very realistic movie, and yeah, because Patrick the band, Stewart's scary. Oh, he's so scary. almost like John Goodman in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Patrick quietly, Stewart's scary, quietly menacing. You know, he doesn't erupt or anything, but he just it exhibits that quiet menace. Mm. But but yeah, you're right. The band they just they just wanted a paying gig. They didn't care. Just wanted a gig. Mm-hmm. Just wanted put a gas gig. in the mm-hmm. car. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, boy, and then, of course, you know, you think about this movie, and Anton Yelkin uh, sadly passed away not long after this movie came out. I think it was just just a a month or so. 
and that's sad to watch it now because he was such a young talent taken away, you know, far too soon. And he and he's good in this movie. He's the main normal person put in an extreme situation, especially after they do to his arm what they do to his arm. Uh, but then teaming up with uh, Imogene Poots and they have to try to get out of this uh, club uh, with their lives. And it's man, it's tense. And uh, and I love what they do. <laughs> Don't want to give away too much. I love what they do to get away from the dogs with the intercom. Oh, right. Uh, that is genius. Creative. And, and very creative and very clever. The, and, and again, this was one that as bloody and gory as it is, I thought it was a blast. It was. It, sometimes the, the the really exciting ones, even yeah. though there's terrible things happening, just the fact that you're all on the edge of your seat makes it feel like a lot of fun when the sort of relief comes. Yeah. So that's Green Room. We loved it. Number three on our list of the best of the year. Getting high up there. And at number two, one that, uh, boy, just come out in the last couple of months. And it's called The Eyes of My Mother. Fascinated by how the inside of the body looked. She always hoped I would be a surgeon one day. So the eyes of my mother, what a wonderful surprise towards the end of the year. <laughs> I, I was truly blown away. I mean, I love black and white movies, yeah. but I, I feel like I haven't even fully processed this film. So this film um, from Nicholas. It was a Nicholas... nice surprise. It was a nice oh, surprise. It was. Yeah. Wow. Nicholas uh, Peche? We think. We we'll think. Go with that. We yeah. think we'll if roll with if that. If it's wrong, Nicholas, we apologize. <laughs> uh, it's essentially about a daughter that is traumatized and is working through her motion. So the film is split into, I think it was three parts, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you see various stages of this daughter's life as she grows older. And, you know, this trauma um, that occurred to her, I, I would say I would say she didn't handle processing it well. No, I think you're right. I think I, that's I, accurate. You know, it's the type of movie where you when you see how she kind of works through her emotions, you're quickly disturbed um, <laughs> at, at how she does that. And by the time you have a chance to even like understand what just occurred on the screen, they're throwing the next disturbing situation right at you yeah. for you to begin working yeah. through. And this is one, you're right, it looks fantastic. Beautiful. Um, and black and white. Really, and, almost Terrence Malick-like. It's yeah, such sometimes. a gorgeous movie. But so much of it is dark. Mm-hmm. So much of it happens at night. Mm-hmm. And you, I know you love the scene out the window. Oh, I do my. Too. We have to be careful with this one because it's so new. We don't want to give right. anything away. But to definitely seek it out. Although I thought it's on. Is it on demand right now? It is on demand right now. It's been out in theaters for a couple of weeks. It'll be it'll be out in Columbus theaters. Uh, Playing it, at the Gateway Film Center next yeah, week, I believe. Um, well, definitely. If you can see it on the big screen, please do that. Yes, because it is it is gorgeous. Um, it's disturbing and it's incredibly, incredibly well made. One of the things that I think is most impressive about it is how little actual violence you see. And yet it is... You know, it's it's it, the film reminds me very often of Toby Hooper's original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. Oh, interesting! And yet, because it's the same basic concept, it really is. It's an isolated farm family that do shit you don't expect them to do, <laughs> um, and uh, and it and it really a lot of it is reminiscent of of independent American horror films from the seventies. But the way the tone of it is so restrained and so quiet. Yeah, it's so quiet. It's so quiet that again, you can't help but notice the sound. Mixing because the the sounds there are certain sounds in this movie that are going to hit you because you can't really see what's happening right. and there's a lot of gumming sort of going on and mm-hmm. and uh, and, and then sawing. 
it forces some, you to some, pay attention. It really almost. does. You, you want to like see what's happening. You're trying to listen for to what's going to happen next. And it sounds you don't necessarily want to hear. Right. Um, you know, and it's all, it's it's interesting too. It, it, very similar for me to a film called Nocturnal Animals that came out recently. Is every so often there will be this one single beautiful image that is an image of something awful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just the way he frames things and and the way yeah. uh, he asks you to pay attention. It's a really patient movie, but it repays you for your patience. Shots of what's not only out the window, which mm-hmm. we mentioned, but shots of what's going on in the barn, shots of what's in the bathtub, but it's just beautifully photographed and it's got that very deliberate pace, mm-hmm. very isolated, very quiet, and boy, we can't recommend it enough. Yeah, yeah, I mean, going to that, back to that deliberate pace, I mean, a lot of that was carried by the performance of, I think her name's Kika Malgahays. I may be pronouncing that wrong, but I mean, she almost reminded me of that performance from the movie Inside, which yes. you guys did a fright club for this year. We surely year. did. But remember Beatrice yeah. and, and yeah. Inside? Beatrice Dow. She mm-hmm. reminded me a lot. Of her, yeah. I mean, it was very deliberate, very you know, slow, low key. quiet, and mm-hmm. scary as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can go with that. So, eyes of my mother, number two, seek it out, and especially on the big screen if you can. Uh, and before we get to our number one, which if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know what it is. Uh, <laughs> let's go with Bridget's list. She's got her own top ten, and some I know we didn't talk about. Yeah, I mean, are we going to talk about the uh, gorilla in the room? When are we going to talk about the neon demon? <laughs> yeah, that would have been on your list. I'm going to assume <laughs> bullshit artist. <laughs> So I think we probably do need to cover that one because it's uh, it was a, it was an we interesting don't. movie. I didn't care for it. We didn't, didn't care for it. We're very big Nicholas Winding Refn fans. Yes. Huge, huge. Drive, love, yes. love Drive, Only love God Bronson. Forgives. And we're t- so the very few people who liked Only God Forgives. Right. No one likes that. No. And so many of the people that didn't like Only God, Only God Forgives like this. Right. And I, I didn't. I thought it looked good. Great. And there were certain scenes that I thought were spectacular. There really were. And I think it's a disturbing film, but I think um, it suffered for me. It suffered from high expectations because I am such a fan of the director. And one of the things I think he does better than almost anyone is create a completely unique universe that you are inside of. It doesn't remind you of anything you've ever seen. It doesn't feel like any other movie you've ever seen. And that wasn't the case for me with Neon Demon. It had a very stylized 80s Dario Argento kind of feel about it. And I didn't think that there were any individual scenes that didn't feel to me sort of pulled together from other movies, which probably was intentional. One thing it was probably sort of a mishmash homage kind of, uh, in, but I, but it didn't sit with me that as well. As well as it looked and the color, of course, his movies always are, have great color in them. Um, I thought it was pretty mundane, although I do give him credit. Uh, Keanu Reeves actually <laughs> That's right. wasn't embarrassing. No, he was great. He wasn't. He so, was kind of perfect for that yeah, part. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> So give him credit for that. But go ahead. I know you loved it. Make no, your case. No, I, I love the case. Neon Demon. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you guys didn't make it sound too bad by your description. I, I <laughs> That sounds like a top 10 to me. Uh, no, I mean, it, it was unlike anything I had ever seen, particularly the one scene that's, what, at the 128 mark? Because we, we know that if you get the um, unrated version, there, there's one little slight difference at the 128 mark um, <laughs> that we just cannot discuss because anything about Malone? it. Does that have something to do with Jenna Malone? Uh, did she play the character Ruby? Yes. It's Ruby's big scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. Bravo for Ruby. <laughs> One of my favorite characters of the year. No, I mean, I just thought it was an incredibly sexy, well-executed film. I loved all the characters. I did not see the ending coming. Uh, but that, you know, the the characters and the storyline and the pacing and the soundtrack and the colors put before your eyes. I mean, it was just, it was candy on the screen to me. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was okay. number five on my list. All right. What else you got? 
Um, so number one, I had Eyes of the Mother. Mm. Number two, we're going to be discussing here in a second. Number three, I had The Handmaiden, yeah. which we loved. The Handmaiden. We loved, loved, and and but we didn't think of it as a horror, a horror film movie. at all. Um, loved The Handmaiden. Thought it was great. One of the best directed movies of the oh, year. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, Channel wow. Park, of course it was. I don't consider it a horror movie, but that's okay. It's up for an or it's being considered, I think, for what an Oscar. It's Korea's. It's one of Korea's official um, options, like entries. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it'll get nominated. But yeah. it is. Yeah. glorious yeah, to look at. It. Yeah, it. best scissoring scene since uh, what? Blue is the warm, <laughs> warmest color. <laughs> oh, it had, well, let's not go into that. <laughs> yeah, we, we can only we I can like only blue. say so much. I like blue very much, but there was a lot more scissoring in this. A lot, a lot of scissoring. Um, what else? <laughs> We've we got high school student That's in the right. room, guys. <laughs> That's right. That's um, so number. four four um is a is a film is a feature that i saw at nightmares film festival from spain called night of the virgin yeah we heard yeah we, we that. yeah we missed it we I'm wanted to see it very much that. so we will definitely oh, check wow. that one out yeah i think it won like um the film from hell nightmare award okay. uh in in rightly so <laughs> um by the way let's just put another plug in if you missed the the nightmares film festival that they just had at gateway film center in columbus ohio was their inaugural event it was so good. If if you're listening from out of town, make plans to come in next year. It's going to be the I'm week before you, the week before Halloween every year, and uh, you you need to go. You are not going to to uh, be disappointed. So just we'll get an early plug in for that. But yeah, that's where you saw the movie, and we missed it. I did see some some movies there that I liked very much, but I missed that when I was bummed. Yeah, film from Spain um, about a virgin seeking to course correct on New Year's Eve. And he picks the wrong girl. Well, mm. we'll just kind of leave it at that. Mm. Um, okay. Things do not go in his favor. And whether or not he's a virgin at the end of the film, well, y- you know, you're just going to have to see it. But the the best part about that film, um, when it won the award from Nightmares Film Festival, um, the filmmaker was so excited. Roberto, he broke his foot. Oh, he immediately started celebrating and broke his foot. <laughs> oh. He was so excited. So that's, that's a party right there. Good, good film. Um, number, let's see, five. We just talked about the Neon Demon. Number seven, The Wailing. Number six, Frankenstein Created Bikers. Yeah. You missed that one. Also, that was a nightmare. Millimeter Independent Gem. Uh, independent Gem from James uh, Burkett. He did um, Dear God No. Um, Ellie Church is in it. Triskin Risk is in it. Love Triskin Risk. Uh, I mean. A lot of, lot of sex, a lot of boobs. It's just one of those batshit crazy movies. One of my favorite scenes in it involves a brother and a sister and an eye socket, and we will just leave it at that. Um, a classic love story. Yeah, you know, unlike anything I've ever seen. And I to say I had a good time would be an understatement of the year. Had a very good time watching that on the big screen. Uh, number eight I had is a tie between Green Room and Don't Breathe. Number nine, we talked about briefly, I think another Korean film, Train to Busan. Mm. I haven't seen zombies run that fast since, what, 28, 28 days later? Sure. <laughs> or World War Z. And, I mean, uh, another great film, uh, the character development. You get very vested. I mean, you have a vested interest in what happens to each of the characters uh, and, and the zombies. And then number 10 uh, is actually a documentary that I saw this year about... Um, professional tickling or competitive tickling, I guess, um, called Tickled. And um, it is a documentary about that, but things take a twist. And I would say it's one of the more horrific stories I've ever seen. Mm. If you like move or if you like series like um, on HBO, we had the jinx on Netflix. We had making of a murderer. 
this is the film for you. It is worth every penny. You can get it VOD now, but I, I highly recommend Tickled. It's, it's nice. an excellent documentary. Okay. I want to just run over a couple that we liked very much. Didn't make the list because, again, it was a really strong year. Blair Witch. Yeah, Blair Witch probably would have been our number 11 if yeah, we were I think doing so. that. Oh, wow. Fuzzy, but yeah, we liked it a lot. Yeah, it's Adam Wingard, and I thought he did a great job with honoring the history, mm-hmm. let's say, of the Blair Witch Project and finding ways to amp it up. And I, I again, I thought it was fun and, and well done. I mean, it stayed very classic Blair Witch kind of story until they got to the house. And then, boy, he really, really cranked it up. And uh, I thought he did a great job. So that probably would have been my, that would have been my number 11. Okay. Yeah, I loved it. I loved Train to Busan. I loved Baskin. That's a, oh, that's yeah. a weird, that's a weird You're one you should goat, look out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I also liked I Am Not a Serial Killer very much. I haven't seen that. And that I is liked, Christopher Lloyd in it, it right? It is. And I liked Darling. So those oh, are just darling. some of the, some of the, you Another know, just under the radar that I, I feel like we wanted to throw in there. But obviously, if you've ever heard this podcast, before you probably already know what our number one is the witch it's not safe not with them think all those things so many things we loved about this and i know we've debated it we had a whole podcast with our friend mike just dedicated to arguing about the people that thought this wasn't any good to the people like us who loved it but man um so so well crafted well-constructed, well-performed. It's so authentic and I think delivers a very slow, creeping dread that turns horrific, and I think the payoff is great. Robert Eggers write it, wrote it, directed it. I mean, he did the whole Anna Biller thing. I mean, he uh, he built sets using tools that they would have used in 1620. <laughs> right. It's insanely authentic, this Man. movie. And, and every performance is magnificent. And, you know, I think that uh, a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of people who really big horror fans didn't like this because it, they, they didn't feel like there were enough jump scares or there's enough gore. I think also because it did so well in the festival circuit, not yeah. just horror festivals, but festival festivals, that it drew in an art house crowd that didn't like it because it is supernatural and they did not want it to be. They were looking for something more like the crucible. Well, and we talked about it before. It's a it's sometimes it's an, it's an unfortunate crossing of marketing and expectation. Sure. And then some people don't get what they were expecting and are disappointed by that. But I think a lot of people like the three of us who like art house movies and like horror movies thought this was just a gem that very few other films are ever going to be as good as. There's muddling in it. There what is. What can you ask for? There and there's is black Phillip. There's black F oh. Philip. Oh my God. <laughs> and what did we just hear? I'm forgetting now. Robert Eggers is going to do next. He's remaking those for Yes. I knew. Oh my God. It's like, it's such a dream come true. I knew it Life's was. Lifelong obsession being yep. fulfilled. I know. Knew it was something good. And our boy, I can't believe this is the one we never ever buy DVDs. We bought the DVD uh, when The Witch came out. We still haven't watched it, which oh. is insane. And then just the other day in the mail, we got the screening awards version. So I'm, which, oh. <laughs> which we're glad to have, but I know the the DVD that we bought is going to have extras on it. Mm-hmm. So one of these days, if we ever have an evening where we don't have a movie to watch, <laughs> we're going to watch it. Watch it with the subtitles. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I saw no, it so many I times in you. the film, mm-hmm. and I still struggled a little bit, you know. Uh, but once I watched it with the subtitles. It, it, it really everything clicked and I was like oh that's that's what he's saying the entire time <laughs> yeah well it's true because because a lot of the dialogue was taken directly from journals from the 1620s yeah. and so it's it's very archaic dialogue and some yeah. great accents 
producing that. And we love all the performances. All I of know them. you love Harvey Scrimshaw. I love Harvey Scrimshaw, the the young boy, the 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 oh, middle wow. son. There is a particular scene in this movie I can't get over that they drew that performance from a kid. It was amazing. He's amazing and in this Anya movie. Taylor Joy. Brilliant, wonderful. And Ralph Einerson, who plays her dad. What a voice. Oh. And hey then now. Yeah. yeah, and then and you can come over and chop wood for my fire. <laughs> I don't know. And then there's then then there's Black Philip, and uh, yeah. yeah, Black Philip broke me. Yeah, Black F. Can't get so. any more tattoos with upside down crosses. That's <laughs> it. Black Philip. That's the only one. Oh, we got the hard cider too. That's right. I mean, it's truly the year of the goat. <laughs> so that is our number one. As if you didn't know, the witch. Let us know. Chime in. What's your top ten? What uh, should be on ours? What shouldn't be? And the easiest way to get us, as you know, is at Mad Wolf on Twitter. We're M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F and uh, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook. Bridget, you're on Twitter at Columbus Horror is the handle. And on Facebook, if you go to Facebook slash group slash Columbus Horror Group. K-I-L-L-U-M-B-U-S. Perfect. So, yeah, we this is a great conversation to have. And let's keep it going. So hit us up all over social media. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. What a great way to end a crazy year. Yeah. Mostly miserable. <laughs> on, on, a, on an uptick. That's We're right. End That's, it. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so two years in a row, last year and this year, good years for horror movies. Yes. So let's keep our fingers crossed for uh, next year. All right, until next time, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is Bridget saying, stay frightful, ghouls. Yay. Yay.